Anyone excited for summer? I figure I'd get a cheer out of you on that one. Hey, those of you joining us online, we're just glad that you're joining us. And I just also want to just say right now that all of us here in this room forgive you. We do. We truly forgive you for not inviting us to your lake house. Inviting us to come on your boat and wake surf and tube and we forgive you. But we're glad you're joining us. And uh, as we continue in our uh, Truth and Dare series, and as we kind of kick off today, we're going to be talking a little bit about, I want to talk to you first about crazy predictions that have not come true. Okay? So crazy predictions, here, here, here's just a few. Okay? In 1903, the president of Michigan Savings Bank, Warren Henry Ford's lawyer, the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is just a fad. Okay, yep, yep, that did not come true. Uh, 1950, Dorothy Rowe predicted that by the year 2000, all women would be six feet tall. Some of you ladies are like, uh-uh, uh-uh. 1946, Daryl Sanick said people will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. How about that game last night? Anyone watch that NBA game? Yeah. Buzzer beater. Come on. That was fun to watch. Okay. Okay. 1966. Time magazine predicted that remote shopping would flop because ladies like to get out of the house and hold the merchandise. And then Amazon came around. <laughs> Amazon came. I don't know if that's what your front porch looks like, but that's what mine looks like sometimes. Okay, how about this one? How about this one? Y2K, baby. January 1st, okay? I mean, all banks are going to fail. Food supplies will be defeated. The stock market will crash. The lights will go out. Telephones will cease to function. A domino effect will cause a worldwide depression. I'll never forget the night. I was at a friend's house, you know, party with everyone and at this parent's house. And, you know, the ball's dropping. And I sneak down into the basement. And five, four, three, two. One, I pulled a breaker. <laughs> People are freaking out, man. They're panicking and they're like, oh my goodness. I hear the mom like freaking. She's like, Roger, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then, and then I hear this voice, but Roger, why are the neighbor's lights on and ours isn't? You know, it's like, then they caught me, you know, it's just, it's my favorite moment. I was that kid, okay? Crazy predictions that did not come true, but we're talking today about some crazy predictions that did come true. And because they did come true, there's other predictions that have not come true that we want to pay attention to. Because if the old ones came true, then these ones are most likely going to come true as well. We're going to be looking at a portion of scripture where we're seeing not only history, we're going to see the present and the future all in one place. And so here's the goal today. We're going to be daring us to forecast. Okay. So when you think about a weatherman forecasting, sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they, they get it wrong. But a lot of times if they're getting it right, they might not get it exactly right, but they know what's coming. And we're going to be looking at four different lenses to dare us to forecast, to have an eternal lens. I literally want us to put on goggles, if you will, glasses to just look at these four specific areas. Now, when we talk about dare, if you're just like, catching up with us on this series, a lot of times dares can be negative. Like, for instance, the dare, I don't know if you saw, it's so tragic. The high schooler, it was on the news uh, yesterday, about a high schooler celebrating their graduation, went on a cruise ship, and their buddies dared him to jump off the cruise ship. Yeah. And they stopped the search and rescue. They did it for 48 hours. They couldn't find them. So that, that's what you call a stupid dare that's not going to benefit your life. 
okay? We're talking about dares that will benefit your life. And, 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 and truly, if we look at these dares through this lens today, these four specific areas, it will truly help set your future up for success. And whether you're a Jesus follower in the room or not, it's still these areas can benefit your future as well. And who doesn't want to have a set up future for success, right? So that's our goal. But before we do, I want to pray for us and then we'll dive into the scripture. So God, and thanks for getting us here today, not by accident. And so thank you for your word being alive, living, sharpening. Help us to humble ourselves, uh, to let it shift us. Help us to put on these eternal goggles, if you will, today, God. And so we love you. And we pray this in the power of your son's name and the entire room said with me. Amen. 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 All right. Okay. So as always, I want you to pull out a copy of the scripture. Uh, also, we've been talking about these journals. I know we sound like a broken record, but seriously, the more that you write it down, the more that you mark things up, the more it'll have a longer lasting mark upon your life. It's just the truth. And so I encourage you, if you don't have a journal, then write it down in your phone. Um, so here we go. We're in chapter seven and we're halfway through the book of Daniel. Okay. We're halfway through. Um, if you're just jumping in, the first six chapters were just a lot of fun. I mean, historical, crazy events that are just, just powerful. We see a teenager literally being exiled uh, 700 miles to a nation where they brainwash him, where they castrate him, where they change his name. And yet throughout the whole entire thing, from ruler to from ruler to the next, there's Daniel, faithful. During that journey, he was helping interpret dreams of kings and rulers. But now we're going to see from chapter 7 on, Daniel getting dreams and visions that God interprets for him. Uh, we're, we're going to see this shift. Now, oftentimes, if you hear a teaching series, maybe in a church or whatever on Daniel, around chapter 6 last week is when they stop, okay? Because from here on out, it gets really weird. It's going to be very difficult to understand. They're very hard to preach. It's like, what in the world is going on? You're going to have to put your imagination caps on as we go through this. And if you feel like you read or you're reading it and you feel lost, join the club. Okay, I'm right there with you. Don't feel intimidated by that. But I think God's been gracious and has been generous. And he's helped give us some really great apical things for us to take into this week. Okay, so... Um, as you're taking notes, as we dive into this, we're going to be looking at six different kingdoms. The four kingdoms have already come and gone that we're going to see. Then there's going to be one kingdom that is the kingdom of Satan. And then we're going to see the other kingdom that is the kingdom of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so let's do our best to unpack this. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Chapter 7, we'll look at the first two verses here. It says this, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Now, the world has always been a symbol of the great seas, the great oceans. They're mysterious. They're scary in a sense. The winds are going to take them in currents that you never can really predict. But God, the great God who's sovereign, can predict everything and knows everything how it's going to happen. He is, he was, and he always will be. And so it continues. So he's looking at the sea, and there's this imagery of the sea of the world. And then check this out. Then four great beasts come out of the sea different from one from the other. The first was like a lion and it had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. 
And behold, another beast, a second one, comes out like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It's like the lumpy bear, if you will. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise and devour much flesh. And then after this I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong, it had great iron teeth and devoured and broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the other beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. You guys good, right? No explanation needed, right? Everyone got that? Good to go? We can just move on. Like, what in the world is going on here, right? It's almost like a scene out of the Lord of the Rings. That's how I see it sometimes. Like, what in the heck is going on? Now, one thing to help is in chapter 2, if you were here for chapter 2, if you weren't, that's okay. But in chapter 2, we see King Nebuchadnezzar getting a dream. And the dream was depicted through the symbol of a statue. And so chapter 2's events and chapter 7's events are very similar in what is being uh, forecasted to Daniel and to King Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 2 was man's perspective about it. Another way of looking at it is chapter 7 was God's perspective on it, okay? So we had this vision, uh, we, we put this up in chapter 2, where uh, the vision was uh, portrayed through this statue of all the different empires that would come and would go, and all these events actually took place to the detail. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And then the ten toes represents the end times that we're either in now or we're heading towards. It depends on what your thoughts are on that. And so what we're seeing here is now the same events being foretold, being predicted, being forecasted, being warned of uh, by these beasts. And so here's kind of the parallel. There you've got the golden statue with the winged lion and all the way down and so forth. And you've got the ten toes and then there's the ten horns on the beast. And I know I've probably lost now the entire room, but just hang with me here. Now, uh, one thing I just want to point out, especially if you're a skeptic in the room, you're like, I don't know if I believe all this stuff. Listen, every single part of this has been foretold. Uh, there's a saying that we've been saying here during this series is that archaeology is always playing catch up with the Bible. And it's the truth. So throughout history, they'll try to say, well, that's not there. Or that's not there. Give them long enough to keep digging up and excavating history. And there it is. One example that's really fun I just wanted to share with you is this idea of the winged lion. In 1900s, they uh, were excavating the Ishtar gates in Babylon. And around the Ishtar gates was this image, the winged lion. And then they were like, oh my goodness, Daniel was actually accurate to the T. Now, a lot of times, too, you think lions and beasts and animals, what is going on here? This is confusing to us. It should be confusing to us. But if someone were to just step in out of history or into the future, into our world, we do the same thing. Republicans, Democrats, we identify as donkeys and elephants. That's weird. Why do we do that? It makes sense to us for some reason. Uh, same concept, uh, the Babylonians would understand the concept of the winged lion. The lumpy bear, the Medo-Persians, so forth and so forth, they would all understand this. There's so much more here that I'm not going to go into because there's just so much but what do, what do we learn here? What, what, what can we draw into our everyday lives here? One point is this, right? Is that kingdoms will come and kingdoms will go. Kingdoms are going to rise and kingdoms are going to fall. If you think about it, from the Babylonian Empire all the way to Alexander Great with, with, uh, 
with Greece, their empires lasted between 200 to 350 years. Here we are as America turned into 245. You know, kingdoms come, kingdoms go. Roman Empire, that was 1,500 years. That's a lot. But, you know, when you're in it, you feel like it's never going to end. You kind of just, well, nothing's going to break down our kingdom. When the Babylonians thought they were the greatest thing on the planet, because they were. The kingdoms come and kingdoms come. Kingdoms will crumble. Nothing lasts forever, which is a great reminder for us today in 2023 to put on our eternal lens goggles and dare to forecast our treasure. We need to be people that dare to forecast our treasure. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's a great reminder that our kingdoms are going to come and our kingdoms are going to go. And and we take so much effort, right, to build our comforts, to build our kingdoms, to build up our treasure, to build up our war chest. But in the same way, it's going to be gone. What did Jesus tell us? He said, store up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. So may we be people that are constantly daring ourselves to forecast our treasure. What is our motive behind what we are building? Um, how are you using your treasure? How, how are you being generous with your treasure? How, how are you being generous towards others? How are you being generous towards building God's kingdom? When it comes to giving to others, giving towards the church. I'm telling you, when you learn the art of being open with your finances and you're generous, it's unbelievable the uh, anxiety uh, that just leaves you and the freedom financially that comes for you when you actually uh, become generous. Now, when it comes to church and money, I know a lot of times there's this thought. It's like, well, the church just wants my money. They just want my money. Maybe you're thinking online. The church, all they want, they just want my money. Okay, listen. A lot of times they don't say this, but this came to me. We do want your money. Everyone hear it. Mile City Church wants your money. Okay? We want your money. We want your money. We want your money. We want your money. Out there listening, guess what? We want your money. But here's the motivation. The motivation that you might think why we want your money is not the same motivation that you have potentially. The motivation for why we want your money is because God wants every area of your life. And that's the hardest one to let go of. And there's freedom when we let God, everything we have comes from God. And when we realize that and we let that go, there's freedom that comes from that. And of course, yeah, I mean, do we need your money to pay the bills and keep doing the great things that God is doing through Mile City? Yes, we're doing amazing things. I already mentioned it. We're reaching places all over the globe. It's amazing to give through this church. But our motivation is we want your money for you so that God can have every area of your life. Listen, uh, God makes dares, God makes challenges to us, but one of the things that he says in Scripture only one time, when he says, I want you to test me, there's only one thing he's talking about in Scripture. It's about money. Malachi 3.10, look at this. This is the only time in Scripture. And therefore, put me to the test says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. God just doesn't want our tips. He wants us to bring our tithe to make it part of our lifestyle. So here's a question that I was just wanted to ask you all too. Going to get kind of personal. What's your portfolio like these days? What's your retirement account looking like? How's it doing? He's like, yeah, it's okay. Now, when I say that, I'm not meaning earthly. 
What's your eternal portfolio looking like? What's your eternal retirement account looking like these days? You know, when, when, when we give our lives to Jesus, yes, we are saved and we go to heaven. And our motivation isn't to just do things on earth just so we can like get all this stuff in heaven. But sometimes I think we dismiss this a little too much. What you do now with your treasure here on earth matters for your eternity. Listen, Rod, your treasure is going to be different than my treasure. Okay? Your treasure is going to be different than your treasure. Your treasure is going to be different than your treasure, than my treasure. Like, all of us are going to have different rewards and treasures in heaven. And you think about how much effort we all put into, I'm just guilty. So it's like setting myself up, setting Jen and I, setting our kids up, trying to figure out how we're going to like figure this out to get our comforts, to make sure everyone's okay. And we spend so much time agonizing what that's going to look like here on earth for our eternity. And then all of a sudden, bam, some of you are retired in the room. You know how quick it goes. Just this week, this beautiful lady in our church, in her, she was 60 two, Maya, right? 63. Um, perfect health. Just retired. Heart attack in bed. Gone. Funeral was this week. You know? Like, just like that. We spend so much time. And if you're a driver, like if you're like, it's like you're trying to get to this point, trying to get to this point, if we could just put on our eternal goggles more, of thinking about we spend so much time on our earthly retirement, what if we spent a little more time on our eternal retirement? Man, that shifts things, right? That shifts how we respond with our own finances. And so I don't know what that means for you, but may you shift what you might need to shift when it comes to your generosity. Don't be greedy. Don't hoard it. Be generous. Be cheerful in your giving. Be sacrificial in your giving. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart behind it. It's the heart behind it. Let's keep going. Verse 8. I considered the horns. Okay, so Daniel chapter 2 talks about the ten toes. Here we are talking about the ten horns. Most scholars are in agreement with what this represents. And as history is unfolding, this is the new Roman Empire where 10 European nations are going to come together. And as they come together, then there's going to be one ruler, one currency to set it all up. Now, some people think that it's already here right now. We're in it. Or it's on its way to happen. And just imagine, it's going to be 10, whenever it happens or however it happens, you got 10 European nations coming together with one world power, one world currency, with one ruler over the entire earth. And that's where the next slide here comes in. The little horns comes in. One before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking with great things. The little horn. Don't be deceived by its name, little. Because it's got a lot of other names. 27 different names to be exact. Revelation 13 is one of the most famous ones that maybe you've heard about. It's called the Antichrist, the counterfeit Jesus, who is a very remarkable and knowledgeable and skillful person 
in his planning. He's genius in his words. He's savvy. He will blasphemy God by making everyone and convincing everyone that he himself is God. And what's interesting is that he'll come first peacefully for the first three and a half years. And then after the first three and a half years, he will put a pain and a torment on this earth that the world has never seen before. And so what does this remind us to do? This reminds us to dare to forecast temptation. And what do I mean by that? Just like the little horn, how the little horn is just going to come in a little bit of a way, and then all of a sudden it's going to... In the same way, the enemy just wants a little start with you. The enemy wants a little start with you, just a little compromise, just a little lie just a little flirting when you're married, just a little cut off the top from your employer, you deserve it, just a little ego, just a little skipping one little meal, just a little alcohol, just a little cuss word, just a little of dishonoring your parents, just a little click on that website, just a little bit of false teaching, and then like a cancer, it will spread out of control. It starts quiet, then it gets louder and louder and louder. The enemy wants to pounce you. We've talked about this like a lion and he wants to devour you. Listen, you don't just become a heroin addict. You don't just become an alcoholic. You don't just become a habitual liar. It's the, you don't just become a porn addict. It's like it starts small and you exercise that process and that habit to where all of a sudden it's out of control. We talked about this last week and I just want to reference this if you missed because this is important. Any of you in the room that has any temptation whatsoever when it comes to pornography on the internet, obviously you're one click away, your children are one click away. If you do not have your gadgets, your phone, your tablets, your computers protected with some type of device, I use Covenant Eyes. I pay for the staff to have Covenant Eyes on all their devices. I just want to be overly protective. Um, if you don't have some type of device, and you struggle at all in that area. I said this last week, but I want to make sure you hear it. You're foolish. I called the entire church in Plymouth. I said, in fact, you're an idiot. And I say that with humility because I was an idiot for many, many years. Thought I was fine, didn't need it, I was too prideful, I'll get it together. No, 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 stupid. And so if you struggle at all, just protect yourself put the guardrails up i will have guardrails on all my stuff probably until the day i die i will call me weak or call me wise it's wisdom if you know you're weak in an area set up the guardrails because the enemy is going to keep trying to devour you he is relentless in verse 25 later, it says, He shall speak words against the Most High. Check this out. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. He wants to, have you ever thought about that? The enemy wants to wear you out. He wants to wear you down. Remember, put on the goggles. There's a demonic force trying to just destroy your life. Have an eternal perspective on this temptation that is after you. Do something about it. Come back to Jesus. Identify it. Write it down and figure out how to go the opposite direction and the help that you know that you need. And if you don't know what to do, lean into your church family here. I'm not saying we have all the answers, but there's no reason for you to walk in this alone. What might you need to do to forecast temptation in your life? Let's keep going. Verse 9. 
As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. So this is describing the Savior Jesus. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Remember that, and the books were opened. I looked, and then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time, reminding us the importance of how we need to dare to forecast, write it down, tribulation. Tribulation, a period of great tribulation is coming. We can't escape it. Judgment day is coming. And there's a lot there. There's a lot there. But here's what I want us to just focus on. I want us to focus on that part where it says that the books were opened. The books were opened. Judgment day is inevitable. No one can escape it. No one in this room can escape judgment day. Listen, God is a God of love. He is. He is a God of grace. He is. He is a God of mercy. But he is also a God of of judgment, justice. He can't compromise who he is. For the wages of one sin equals death and separation from God. He can't have anything to do with that. Judgment day is coming. Now, imagine this. Like, there's going to be one judge and one sentence, and there's not going to be a parole or community service in this point. Now, I was thinking about this last night. Everything that you've done in your life, God is keeping record of. And he's logging. So I just want to imagine for, if we had a, the technology to do this. So let's just say I put up a chair on the stage. And John, you're right here in the front. I'll use you as an example. Of course you will. Yep, sorry, John. <laughs> imagine if we could put things on John's brain. And then right now, we have the technology to go back into his memory. And we go in his memory, and every action and every thought, then we can just show right here on the big screen, and we just watched John's last month. How would you feel about that, John? Yeah. I wouldn't feel too comfortable about doing that either. Now imagine your entire life. God is keeping a log on every action and thought of your life. And one day, it's going to be on display. Now, that might make you feel uncomfortable. And it should. But I've got great news for you. You're living in the grace age. I'm living in the grace age. Because... 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus here on this earth, and he came with a very specific reason, to die on a cross and then be raised from the grave to conquer our sin problem, to pay the wrath, to take the judgment so that you wouldn't have to. And so on judgment day, Jesus follower 
or not, we all have to go through it. And as uncomfortable as that might be, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, now the great holy God sees you through the filter of Jesus as he's taken the wrath and he takes the judgment for you so that you don't have to. It's unbelievable. But if you don't have the Jesus filter on your life, judgment day is no good because it results in eternal separation and persecution and suffering. I don't say that to condemn you up here. You think I want to say that? No. I say that out of concern for you, that if you don't have the Jesus filter covering your life in the end, that's a massive problem. But guess what? There's another book in Daniel chapter 12 that's talked about. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And it says that every single person who puts their faith in Jesus and believes that he's the one who can cover your sin, that God symbolically will, has his pen out and permanently writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I feel so uh, humbled and overwhelmed that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And if it's not, simply through your faith in Jesus that he's your Savior and you make him your king, that can happen right now. In fact, normally we wait to the end. Let's just do it right now. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your head with me. If you know right now that you're like, you know what, I don't know if I have Jesus in my life. I, I'm not sure if I'm written in the Lamb's book of life. And, you know, judgment day doesn't seem so good right now. I don't want that. I want the Jesus filter covering my life. Then through your faith, a God who loves you so much, you just have this real conversation with him right now. Just say, Father, write my name in that book. Just tell him that. Write my name in that book. Forgive me for my sin. You know I'm a mess. Just say that. Forgive me. And then just say, thank you for dying for me and rising again for me. Tell him that. Thank you for dying for me and rising again for me. Right now, I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. As we keep praying, my friend, if you truly meant that, you can be confident now that you will now no longer perish. But now you'll have everlasting life with your creator who loves you so much. It's secure. Your name is written in the book of life. Amen. Now listen, if you meant that for the first time, like there's a party literally going on in heaven right now for you. I mean, it's just angels are like rejoicing because you're covered by the filter of Jesus now. Now, I just want to ask you to do one thing. Tell someone. Let someone know of this decision that you've made. It's really important to tell someone. Don't walk alone. Okay. A couple more verses. You guys still with me? So, really a couple things that are, I just want us to leave with to charge us up as we head out this week. Let's go to verse 13. Check this out. I saw in the night visions, 
And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, Jesus, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. God's kingdom will never pass away. Kingdoms will come, kingdoms will go, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. And Jesus is coming back and he's coming back in the clouds one day. Jesus came the first time to pay for sin. The second time he's coming and he will punish sin and then he will destroy the Antichrist and he will destroy Satan once and for all. Scripture constantly reminds all of us to be ready that he's coming back. So much so, listen, 1,845 times it's talked about in the scriptures. That's one out of every 30 verses. Jesus himself talks about him coming back in the second coming 21 different times he refers to it. He says he's going to come like a thief in the night. Now, if you ever run into people who think that they know when Jesus is coming back on this date and blah, 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 on this month and this time and in this hour, maybe it's a person you know or it's someone on TV or a YouTuber or whatever it is, if you ever hear people saying that, run! They're crazy! If you're online here you're crazy and all due respect like no one knows he's gonna come like a thief and then even jesus said when he was here on earth no one knows not even the son of god of when the time is coming so he's coming back and then i just gotta close with this verse this is so good i love this verse 27 ready and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high his kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Then check this out. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts, it greatly alarmed me as it should and my color changed. But check this out. But I kept the matter in my heart. Would you say that with me? But I kept the matter in my heart. And my hope and prayer is that we will keep this matter in our heart as we step out of this church and into our communities and into our families and into our workplaces to dare to put on the goggles to forecast truth. The truth that Jesus is coming back. And if you are ready for Jesus to come back because you know that you've are secure because you put your faith in him. If you are ready, then let's put on our eternal goggles and think about our loved ones who are not ready. And that should shake us a little bit. Right? We know how quickly life can come and go. I think about a lady in our church who's been texting me the last couple months about her dad going now in, uh, uh, dying of cancer and and, and before she goes to her, his chemo treatments, she, she'll text me and say, pray for an opportunity for me. And sometimes it comes and sometimes it doesn't. She just wants to get the gospel in his ears, in his, his heart and in his mind over and over and over again. She's got an eternal lens on her father. What relationships might you need to have more of an eternal focus on? I think about people in my life right now where I need to have more of an urgency and it's bothering me today. I need to do something more today to get into this person's mind. God forbid they leave this earth without it. 
May we be forecasters of truth, spreading that out, the good news of Jesus, because he's coming back. May we keep snapping on those earthly, those eternal goggles and forecast the truth of the hope of Jesus.